Welcome to the 23rd century. The perfect world of total pleasure. Imagine a world in which you need never be alone. You touch a switch, turn a dial, and the perfect lover steps into your arms. Every pleasure is yours to experience. Runner! There's just one catch. When the tiny crystal in the palm of your hand flashes its final message, your time is up. Hello, Michael and welcome York. To you, have to watch, uh, you have to watch this podcast. I'm Ryan. I'm Alan. And I'm Devin. And you can really tell that I don't do that that often. Anyway, so uh, on today's episode, we are going to be doing a, a movie called Logan's Run, which is a movie that I and Devin had seen, but Alan hasn't. Uh, it, it's it's a uh, utopian style sci-fi film that was made in nineteen that was that was released in nineteen seventy six, directed by Michael Anderson, and uh, it, it's a MGM movie, which you don't really get a lot of those anymore they went out of business right kind of yeah they, i think they did they, or did they were, get folded they folded into sony into sony because sony makes the bond movies now okay that would make something sense. like that yeah, yeah. They, they went bankrupt yeah. like it's mgm they, they're mostly <laughs> known for hotels and casinos at this point yeah pretty much yeah so uh, this movie, um, like I said before, Devin and myself had seen this and Alan hadn't. Uh, my experience with it is that this was a film that I was introduced to very early. Uh, it was one of th it was one of three of my dad's favorite films. Huh. So I watched this a lot growing up. Um, it definitely, I feel, set sci-fi for me. Like, kind of like I was used to the whole futuristic feel of the film. So I think that's why I kind of developed a uh, liking towards sci-fi to begin with. Uh, definitely didn't pick up on the adult film uh, themes until I was in high school <laughs> on this one. But uh, Devin, what was your experience with it? I think this is a really good dad movie. So this was the same <laughs> for me. This was like one of my dad's top movies. And he showed it to me at a really young age. And I actually had a bit of uh, a realization about this movie. I think he fast-forwarded through all of the nudity. Because there are scenes in this I, I've never seen before. Because there's nudity in it. So I think he fast-forwarded me through all of it. Um, when, but... this, uh, when the movie came out for VHS, they, they actually sold an edited version of it. I bet that's the version we had. I had no idea. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but I got so into this movie. I read the book. I knew like everything about everything. I like got so involved in the little dystopian society that like this was a huge nostalgia trip watching this for me again. I absolutely loved it. Now, Alan, yes, this is your first time watching this. Yes, you definitely had a different experience since you know between because Alan and I mean Devin and I grew up with this film. So I mean, there's a lot of quirks in this film that I am aware of that I'm sure that 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 that, that I'm sure we're going to talk about. So. From your eyes in 2019, how did this stack up? Okay, so this movie had a few things going against it. Okay. Uh, the fact that I only know, uh, was it Michael York? Yes. From Austin Powers. <laughs> <laughs> that was, it was cool to see him at a young, at a young age. Um, you can, I can tell that it's from a pre-Star Wars era. Um, and I've seen the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes, so yeah. the whole 
this is DC in the future thing. I was yeah. like, I've seen this before. And I, I hated I hated that I thought that way. Like, <laughs> no, not not because of that, but yeah, because of that. Well, like, it just reminded me of, of that a little bit too much. You know what? I'm happy, though, that you recognized it. Yeah. Because it's the first step to recovery is yeah. admitting well, the fact. <laughs> and, I, and the other thing is, like, you guys grew up with this. Yeah. And there weren't that this kind of there were there weren't too many of this kind of dystopian future movies back then. Yeah. Now that's all we get. We get one like every other month. Yeah. Hunger and it's Games. Uh, anything else that that and, studio does? Yeah, and and that's one of the reasons why I kind of like shrug my shoulders at a lot of those type of movies that have been coming out recently mm-hmm. is because I've seen this. I've read 1984. I've seen a bunch of other films that have come out in the 90s and like since then, like The Island. Yeah. Also came, reminded of that. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to bring that one up. Yeah. That one, I think, is a better version of this movie, if I'm being honest. With a different twist on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think that's why I like it so much. It's less straightforward. Yeah. So, so far, we've compared this movie to Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes, Michael Bay's The Island. Okay, let's get a Joel Schumacher Batman and Robin in here somewhere, guys. Come on. <laughs> Um, but yeah, other than that, like it reminded me, like I, I can definitely see the influence it had on sci-fi in general. Yeah. Um, I think it's the last of its kind, which we can dive into a bit later on. Mm -hmm. Um, but overall I enjoyed it. That's good. Now I do have a question, Devin, since you read the books and I didn't go too far into this. Is this Uh an adaptation of just the first book or all three in one? Okay. No, this is an adaptation of just the first one. And for the most part, it's pretty faithful. The one big thing that they changed that I actually think I like about the movie more than the book is the whole carousel thing. That actually isn't a part of the book. In the book, when you turn... It's 21 in the book, not 30. Um, so in the book, when you turn 21, you go straight to a sleep capsule. And you just go. And everyone understands that you're going to die. And you hit 21 and you go die. And that's okay. And everyone that runs just doesn't want to die. There's no, like hope that maybe there's something afterwards or this like elaborate carousel thing. Like it's just, all right, I'm dead. See you guys. Yeah. I do appreciate the whole reason they had to change it to 30 is because they're, they're like in 1976. They're like, we're not going to be able to get 20 year olds to play this part realistically. So we'll just, <laughs> we'll just up the age to 30, which the like actor, 35 year olds to do it, <laughs> which is basically what they did. Cause, yeah. because I think, Almost none of the actors that had speaking parts in this, except for the very obvious ones, were under the age of 30. Like, most of the, like, actual, like, actors they needed, they were all, like, 35, 36, 40. Yeah. They weren't even under the age of 30. Which is how it usually goes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Getting college-age kids to play high school kids. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. Okay. So. So. What? I'm sorry, Devin, you go. (laughs) <laughs> One of the things I love the most about dystopia, because I went through a huge dystopia thing uh, in college, and then in this reminded me of my high school dystopia thing. So apparently once every four-ish years, I go through a dystopia thing. One of the things I always like to think of is, this: would this be believable? Like, would, if you guys were living there, would you, like, would you guys buy into the whole system, and how would you react being in here? Or would you try to be one of the runners? Because I'm going to tell you right now, I would be the dude that buys into all of it. And that's like, no, guys, I get that no one's done the carousel and no one's made it and everyone's blown up. I'm the guy. I'm going to make it. Like that, I know that would be me. 
It's hard to say because that's all you ever know. There's no like outside world that, or like fiction with this, like you don't know the history of how they got there and what they know about the world outside. So Mm -hmm. like if that's all you're ever subjected to, like, I feel like that, like, yeah, I'd probably buy into it too until I realize, Mm -hmm. Oh wait, no one actually, like it might take me up until like the day that I'm on the carousel. (laughs) Oh shit. This isn't going to work. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> they even mentioned because at the beginning logan is talking to his buddy and he's just kind of like ha- they're having like a philosophy they're kind of having like a philosophy type conversation about the carousel and like uh and renewing and his buddy goes who was your sleep teacher like he literally says that who was your sleep teacher because he because was it logan's questioning everything that they're taught when they're young so I mean, it's uh, because was it in the book too? Like he decides to run on his own, right? There's no central yeah. computer that tells him to run, and I only know this because I looked up the th- because I looked up the, the trivia today because I never looked this stuff up before. I didn't even know there was a book until oh, wow. like yesterday, so I decided to look this stuff up. Um, so I mean, I liked how they showed in the movie that he was already kind of questioning everything but they also made it a point to show that he was still like part of that culture like going on the uh the scope thing with all the sexual partners being going almost like a tv channel which i have to say this movie 1976 progressive as hell is progressive as hell progressive as hell and i love the fact how and i think we talked about this before for a different film but it was like he kept on asking her do you want to and she said no. So he's like, okay. And she leaves. Like, a movie made in the yeah. 70s has a better idea of sexual consent than, well, another movie that was made in the 70s. The Rocky. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but or anyway. any modern James Bond movie. Exactly. Or any James Bond movie. <laughs> any James Bond movie. I'm, I'm always reminded of the Family Guy bit that they do about James Bond. Uh, 12 no's and a yes. It's still a yes. <laughs> that was a good impression. Dang. Sean Thank Connery you. is amazing. But any, but anyway, the, the, the one thing that... Wait, were you saying Sean Connery is amazing or my Sean Connery is amazing? Just Sean Connery okay. in general is amazing. And and also, that, 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 that impression was good too. So, you know. Your impression got that out of me. So, okay. I mean, there you go. Um, but yeah, no, actually, this film... When it comes to that whole topic, my dad actually used this film to kind of like teach me on that subject a point because it came when I it came up when I was like ten or eleven years old. The whole like straight gay, you know, the and uh, relationships and everything. And my dad was like, "Here, uh, you, you watched this movie before, right?" I said, "Yeah, you've you've showed it to me a bunch of times." Well, here, watch this scene, and he puts on the channel. And the first thing that comes up is a guy and he leans on the wall and he smiles and Logan smiles, kind of nods respectfully and then changes the channel. And my dad said, look, a guy came up on the channel. He hit on Logan. Logan smiled, nodded his head and changed the channel. He didn't get mad. He didn't get upset. You get hit on. Doesn't matter who it is. You just if you're not interested, you're not interested. You just go with, you know you go on your business. The reason why that got brought up is there was an attack on the news about some guy at a bar and, you know, it, oh, wow. one of those parent, you know, teaching yeah. moments. My dad wanted to make sure that I wasn't getting the wrong idea about stuff. 
And so, I mean, that's this, I mean, this film is just a lot of fun, but there's also a lot of like childhood memories with, with my dad watching it for fun. And then also watching it for like that parent moment. Mm -hmm. So good on your dad, by the way, for like actually like making something like that very relevant and very real for something that you already know. Like, Look at yeah. this character that you know and you like. Appreciate this thing. I think it's a really cool teachable moment. Like, like he did stuff him. like that all of the time. I mean, even with uh, uh, he was in Scouts a lot longer than I was as an adult. So when I aged out, I stopped going, but he still stayed with the troop, and everybody loved him. He he taught, and he 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 worked at the camp, and I'll run into people randomly whenever. I'm up in our hometown and I'll get people's I've never known them, but they knew my dad and they had moments like that Aww. with him too, where he taught them something that has stuck with them for, for a long time. So that's so cool. I, before, I like before I get emotional, I'm going to stop and we're yeah. just going to keep on going to the movie. Before... <laughs> so for making a sharp left, uh, let's yeah. talk about character quick. Cause I, this movie does something that I think Alan might have wanted to mention, but okay. it does something that a lot of older sci-fi does where the main character is kind of this, like, wooden self-insert character. Like, if you were to sit me down and ask me what the main character's favorite things are, or, like, write his personality out on a piece of paper, I probably couldn't for you, because I think he's supposed to be us. And that doesn't happen a lot anymore. What, how did you guys think that worked? I definitely think that's what it is. It is definitely the... And that, that plays into the pre... Star Wars ness of it all, like it, this feels very cut and paste sci fi kind of with the main character. He doesn't really have that many that that much of motivation to do mm -hmm. anything. It's just he's assigned to this task, and over time he he changes his viewpoint and sees the world for what it really is, and then yeah. escapes. So you're you're like he's pretty much a stand in for you because you're you're following him on this this hero's journey yeah so yeah okay. i'm what was the question <laughs> just did you like that did it did I ever get boring that like he didn't have his own kind of motivations he was supposed to be you and did that age well or does it age well should we bring I that mean, back i think it ages as well as it i don't i mean it it's aged for sure i don't know if it aged well um i think it still works in this um because it's it's not really about his growth as a character. It's about his journey to get to the end and to expose the world to what it really is. Yeah. I, so, mean, I mean, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, like, his growth was basically just going from somebody who was just cruising along life to being like, oh, this is how things really are? I need to tell people. And that's it. Like, that's the only growth that he has in his whole character uh throughout the whole film and i think i've watched this so much that i don't even look at it that technically <laughs> when it comes to his character and everything um so so there's that actually i find his buddy to be more uh intriguing than he is because 100%. he just can't let it agree. go because he just can't yeah. let he just can't let what he believes go even though he follows them outside the dome and I think that's so fascinating to have two characters see the same thing, go through essentially the same thing, but have that break in reaction. And I think that's a really cool thing. See, for me, his friend is just so 
focused on his job and getting them and because they have escaped and following them that he's not paying attention to anything he sees outside. Like he's just so focused in on the two of them that nothing else matters to him. Like that's all he sees. He doesn't see the, the Capitol building or the, the, the graveyard or anything else. He just sees them like where they had this giant moment when they see the sun for the first time. He just kind of like, the hell and just keeps going <laughs> like he doesn't take the time to to absorb anything around him he's just going and focused like but I, I i think i still like that i like that reaction because there have been times when i do that where i like overlook important things because i'm like so hyper focused like i think i related to both characters in that way in some ways mm-hmm. and i still think I, I i think i like that a lot yeah so i mean for for the antagonist of the film that's what you need like yeah. you need these two to be seeing everything and then him to just be like no it doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't matter that the crystal in my hand has magically changed colors to clear <laughs> so okay so uh so we've talked about how you felt about it uh and we talked about the characters a little bit i i, I want to go back and kind of explain for people who might be listening who are just who, who haven't seen the film um if you haven't watched it and you've gotten this far into the podcast uh it's uh it's a film set in the book it's set in like uh 2116 or 20 2120 something like that really in the future yeah um everybody who who lives supposedly is inside this domed city and nobody lives over the age of 30 and everybody dresses by color code based off your age see they didn't do a good job of pointing that out in the movie that is something actually that audiences had a problem with when this movie first released um i believe it's the audio commentary on there um or it was during an interview i can't remember which one it was but the but uh, but the producer and the director one of them said that one of the biggest problems they had was people asking them why are people only wearing three different colors and it's because they're different age groups um I feel like they should have had a more obvious age difference between the colors. I think might have made it a little bit better. Uh, or maybe if somebody would have said something. Okay, so I have a question. At one point, what's, what's the girl's name? Jessica? Yes. Yeah. Okay. When she's in his apartment for the first time, does yeah. she say she's six? She's a, she's, she's a Jessica six. Okay. As in, he's a Logan five. Okay. Because... She says six, and then he's like, oh, you've got plenty of time in. I was like, wait, she's supposed to be six years old? No, like, I was confused. I think it's like a they do their, instead of months, they go by the Zodiac. Yeah. So when they I were talking about that. the carousel on, like, the megaphone over the city was like, Capricorn 15, please report to, 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 to the carousel. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think it has to do with that and then what, like, age group that they're a part of. Um, yeah, I yeah, think it has to do with like the generations. So like, yeah. he is the fifth generation of Logan. She is the sixth generation of Jessica. So I... he's a little older than he than she is because he's an earlier generation. So this has only been going on for five generations, six generations. Well, I was thinking about that. Yeah. So like, so about two hundred well, years. Well, I mean, in the movie, they talk about how there has been one thousand three hundred some people who haven't re- uh, haven't renewed or or was it who have run and then logan freaks out and says hang on a second does that mean nobody's been renewed 
So I'm thinking if you divide that number by how many times they run the carousel every year, you'll get to how long this has been going on. Well, you figure generation is... It would be when that Logan 5 dies, then there'll be a Logan 6. Okay, so if each generation is 30 years, so 30 times... So it'd be 150 years they've been doing this, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that, that, that makes I mean, sense. It's a, it's a lot easier doing that, that way. Math. Yeah, I'm thinking more technical, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a lot more technical. It's and there's like a little good, bit of like overlap, to too, because yeah. you have that new Logan at the beginning. Yeah. The mm. baby, baby Logan. Yeah. Which oh. it's, yeah, which it's very, um, which I love that whole setup. In fact, this was the most expensive set that MGM had for a film um, up until that point. Does not yeah. surprise me. Yeah, because it was a they basic uh, they almost made a mall like for the amount of sets they built for that like uh, they called it the arcade mm-hmm. or that thing that they did like the common room of that building that they were in um, they, they they practically made a uh, a mini uh, they practically made like a mini mall so I mean, that 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 in itself was just amazing yeah the the fact that they actually had physical sets in fact I think it was. Either the director or the actor said in an interview later on, he was like, yeah, no, working on that was... He was talking about the props, about how the guns wouldn't work half the time because they were used with, like, uh, gas. Mm. They were, like, propane or something to get the blue flame. And he said, yeah, no, hardly anything worked, but thank God we weren't using a green screen. Okay. (laughs) So this touches on what I wanted to talk about. So this came out in 1976, right? Yes. One year later, you have Star Wars come out. Yeah. And there is such a visual difference between the two films. Yes. And, like, this is the end of the era pre-Star Wars, and you can tell. Yeah. And then Star Wars changes the game completely. Uh, Whereas this has, like, very... Like, the the room where he gets... I don't want to say brainwashed, but when he's talking to the computer, that's a huge set and, like, very... I don't want to say majestic, but I can't think of a better word to say, so I'm yeah. going to say majestic. That's fine. It's this big set with nothing much going on in the background, whereas Star Wars, like, you have these smaller sets, mm-hmm. but there's a lot going on in there. Yeah. Um. And then the guns. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was uh, uh, butane. That's it. Yeah. It was... It was uh, it, it was butane, and half and half the time they wouldn't work. And I think one of them set a small fire on set because it went off when it wasn't supposed to in its yeah. case. So, <laughs> not surprised. I mean, and that's another thing too. Like after Star Wars, you don't have like the practical butane yeah. guns. It's oh, we'll put that in later. Yeah, and yeah, like it, like it's completely different. Like this is in the same vein as as something like Planet of the Apes. Yeah, there's a lot of practical stuff. Because that's what they had. Yeah. But Star Wars changed the game's game and used more models, did different things with those models, and then was reliant on visual effects. Like yes. that set up ILM, like Industrial yeah. Light and Magic, changed the game completely. Like they it's did. not just Star Wars; it's just having that come out of Star Wars completely changed Hollywood. Yeah, and it, it did. Uh, th- the one thing that I'll mention though that's kind of similar between the two that kind of show mm-hmm. like the fact that they were were made in the same era. Uh, was it, uh, if I remember correctly in the, in a, in a new hope, they bought like hundreds of battleship models to make the, 
to make a part of the Death Star so they could do like the camera runs over the top. Um, And they made this huge, because I remember seeing video of it. This thing was huge. Like it couldn't fit in a warehouse. Mm -hmm. The thing was like 30 by 30 feet so that they could get the ships over it and move the cameras. This thing was massive. Wow. As you noticed watching Logan's run, whenever they're outside a building and they're showing inside the dome and driving the cars on the tracks, like it's a huge model. Yeah. Okay. They made that 3D. So Mm -hmm. all of the buildings that were close to the camera were really big. And then all of the buildings in the far ground were built smaller each foot that that it went to give it a much more expansive like look to it. The buildings that were up close to the camera, do you want to know how big those models were? Like a foot? Four feet tall. Wow. Those buildings that the cars were actually connected to when they were doing that shot with... Was it Logan and Jessica going into the place where all of the like brats or whatever they called them were, the like wild yeah. kids, the wild uh, the wild children, those buildings were four feet tall. The wildlings. The wildlings. Those things were four feet tall. I mean, those things were huge. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, and they were under that dome, like that dome they showed at the beginning. It was like, all underneath it. That whole thing was one giant piece. I mean, and. You lose a lot of that in modern day filmmaking, and part of me wonders if that's a good thing or not. So, like, in in my defense, I would point to like the new Blade Runner movie, for example. That movie is gorgeous, and probably none of it is a miniature or a practical effect <laughs> like that. Um, I think some of it was though. Really, I think so. I haven't seen it yet, so. Oh, I loved it, but. I did, like I didn't know if that was I, it just seems like a lot of it was probably computer effects and I know a lot of people tout like oh man you know these need to go back to practical effects practical is where it's at but like I mean as you mentioned Alan with like the laser guns they look so much better in Star Wars because they're not butane that's yeah. shooting off and I think another part of it is like you got to find the happy medium like this came out in 1976 but what was Blade Blade Runner 85 and that yeah. they used models like I mm-hmm. felt like Models can be used in certain places for sure, but I don't think everything needs to be models or nothing. Not everything needs to be CGI. You need to find the mix of the two. And, and um, yeah, I forget where I was going with that. Sorry about that. Uh, okay. But uh, good. Y- y- yeah. you can kind of see that because there are certain scenes whenever they show outside of the building, you can see that they laid in video of people walking on a sidewalk onto the film where the sidewalk was on the model and you can plainly tell like oh that's that is definitely 1970s effects but i mean you've got to take that uh you you have to take that with how old the film is and just go with it which i feel like they didn't do that bad of a job i I feel like from 1976 to 1990 you could watch one big sci-fi film per year and see different advances in Mm -hmm. each film so 76 you have logan's run 77 you have star wars 78 is superman which i think does a good mix of the two yeah because you have the models for the fortress and then you have like they do a much better job of doing the force ghost marlon brando Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh yeah Yeah. they do the uh projection of the whatever falling on michael york (laughs) like that that was was really bad that was the worst effect in this whole thing is when everything's collapsing around him and it's just like projected on him yeah and i was like yeah. that's like okay thank you george lucas for getting rid of that whatever the hell that was 
It's like they took footage of a av- like a rock slide and just put it over top and faded it. Yeah. Yeah. There's I think a if lot I were of... to show the movie to someone, I would skip that whole part because the robot bothered me a lot in there too. No, 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 no. Y- y- the you, bird's you eye pea spokesman? Yeah. You can't. You can't. You, you cannot. Fish <laughs> and protein from the sea. You cannot get rid of that. I, I like his character because it's funny, but he just like was a guy with aluminum foil on his face. Like... Okay, okay, but here's here's the thing. The reason why I say you can't get rid of it is because uh-huh. that is part of the corniness that makes this movie work, in my opinion. And that's so true. I mean... Like, that's part of the silliness. A... So, okay, I was thinking about this today. When this came out, was it supposed to be like, this is the gritty dystopia movie that you're watching this year? Or is this the campy sci-fi movie that you're having fun watching this summer? My like, dad and I had I, sorry, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, my dad saw this movie as just a fun sci-fi movie. He didn't see it as any type of like gritty dystopian future. Like, oh, we have to watch out, or else people are gonna think that parents is a bad thing. Like, because he says that in the film. But I mean, this is just one of those movies that's like it's a nice campy film that I that I watch whenever I want to have like just want to laugh or, you know, just kind of waste some time. Yeah. I, I kind of hope, like, 30 years from now, somebody asks the exact same question that you just asked about Logan Run, but, like, about The Purge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, I Was it supposed so. to be fun and campy, or was it supposed to be, like, a dark future? <laughs> <laughs> and it definitely came out as, this is supposed to be a dark future. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, going back to the robot for a second, not, yeah. not to keep comparing Good. this to Star no. Wars... But like, <laughs> you have this robot here with the aluminum arms, like, and you pretty much the typical sci-fi toy robot yeah. that yeah. you get as a child in like the fifties and sixties. Mm-hmm. And then the next year, you have Anthony Daniels in the C three PO costume. Yeah, like it's it's kind of easy to see how people would believe that that was an actual robot because it's so different from what they've been used to seeing. Yeah, and it was skin tight. Yeah, and I, I forget did I talk about the fact that they didn't publicized the fact that yes. C3PO was played yeah, by in the Star Wars yeah. special yeah, yeah. Not, oh. it wasn't even the, the special <clears throat> in was magazines like, in and like stuff. magazines and Donnie and Marie wow. like, up until they got his footprints outside the Chinese theater when he wrote that was the Anthony point where they had to acknowledge pretty much yeah wow. after that point he was pretty much like I'm going to get paid for this like you're going to acknowledge my existence so so here's him. a Here's the funny thing about that foil uh, bird's eye frozen food robot. That's... You're using it to vent your dryer right now? Hmm? Uh, nothing. That's something about a dryer? <laughs> You're using it to vent your dryer? Like, to vent my dryer? You know how it looks? His arms are like the hose that goes oh, from your dryer okay, to there, the Oh, okay, wall. there we go. The, the actor that plays him, he fell over twice in that thing, and he hated it because he couldn't get back up on his own because of how they put him in the... the because of how he, because of how they put him in the thing, he fell over twice, and both times they had to get like five people offset to stand him back up because he couldn't get out of. Not it. surprised. Okay, here's an obscure <laughs> reference that has nothing to do with Star Wars. The robot reminded me of Scrubs when Turk and JD would do the world's most giant doctor. <laughs> like that's how yes. tall he was. Like, I'm the giant freezing robot. Yeah. Protein. That, ro- that robot did the thing that I kind of hate in some movies though where they're like oh no this is so dangerous but like the thing's barely moving 
And I'm like, you just, you just run away a little bit. And he's he, he literally, his frozen ice gun that he had. Like the, he the... literally goes up and just pulls the gun out of his hands, and there's no more danger. But yet, he's still they're still running from him. Well, yep. Well, not just that. There's also what like you've got to think about how gullible and how innocent these people are. That he was able to freeze. He was able to capture and freeze the amount of people that the computer said was missing. So that, like, 1,300 people that hadn't, like, renewed or whatever, like, they're all Over standing there thousand. frozen. Oh, and by the way, they they filmed that in L.A. in the middle of the summer. Oh, wow. That was probably very warm. Yeah, so all of that was, like, plastic. And those people that were oh, standing okay. there, those those weren't dummies. Those were real people. They were just painted to look like they were frozen, and they were paid to stand there. And they were paid to stand there. Yeah. Ah, old, old school Hollywood, man. You were weird. Um, so this movie has an obsession that I don't think Hollywood's gotten rid of, especially mm-hmm. of late. Uh, and that, that has to do with cats. Do you want to know where all those cats came from? <laughs> the Humane Society. No, those were all of the cats. Uh, those were all of the cap cats, feral cats that they could capture on the MGM studio. For feral cats, Set. they were all pretty well. They were. Still. Think about how busy that the, the MGM like land like outside studio was though, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure they were all being like fed, and they were probably pets of like the people working at like MGM and stuff. But those were all just cats that lived on the grounds, so they wow. just got them into the room and was like, "Hey, here we go." You put them all in a room, just point the cameras at them, you'd still get a better movie than cats. <laughs> <laughs> Is it weird that I want to see that movie really bad? I almost went on New Year's Eve. Why didn't you? Uh, because I knew better. <laughs> it looks, But it looks like one of those movies that might be so bad, it might be amazing. I kind of wish I had seen it opening weekend when it was the cut that you're never going to see again where they forgot to remove Judy Gent's hand. What? Okay, so opening weekend of Cats, they... Um, like the first day it was out, like okay, uh, hold on, we're gonna re- send a new version to theaters with com- updated graphics. They straight up forgot to replace Judy Dench's hand and make it a cat hand, so you just see her wedding ring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. speechless. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's I, funny. I, I want to watch this so bad. Okay, so t- t- talking about not screw ups, but just like weird points and like films. Because uh, cats in itself, I think, is a weird point. So mm-hmm. bring this up. Um, when him and Jess, when when Logan and Jessica are actually running away from the Sandmen, the the police that Logan is one of that mm-hmm. maintain order in the society, they run into like the love shop or the sex shop, um, and everything gets slowed down, and they got the weird bubbly sci-fi music in the background that was supposed to be a four minute scene wow that was cut (laughs) obviously Mm. but that was but uh but that was supposed to be a four minute scene um uh we spoke about how progressive the movie was which it had a lot of like the sexual freedom of like the late 60s and 70s like that whole thing of like more sexual freedom and like the public eye type deal like this movie shoved a lot of it in your face but um, in today's eyes, what did you guys think about that part of like the society of like the of like that whole love shop thing and like the the channel thing with like people putting themselves on the circuit to, you know, 
that whole concept. Uh, I, I think <laughs> I'm a little tainted from it because, like I said, I know Michael York from Austin Powers. <laughs> <laughs> so it makes sense. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. It's just on brand. Yeah. So it was yeah. just on brand. Like, I've, I've seen him in, like, two things. It's Austin Powers and, like, all, Law and Order SVU. Yeah. That's okay. what I've seen him in. So... <laughs> oh boy yeah um i think it made sense i think it made sense within the society because the point of the society is like you're just here to have fun you don't work you just pursue exactly what you want to pursue and that's all you do and if that's what you want to pursue then go for it i mean you only have 30 years to live why not yeah yeah i mean it's just like it's like open sexuality yeah, pretty much. And, like, there's no, like, older generation, like, shun you for it. Yeah. Well, because th- yeah. there's... Because there... Uh, sexual freedom and... That... That concept is really big in utopian stories. Um, either it's... I know, the, I've seen The Matrix like, ex- Reloaded. Hmm? I know, I've seen The Matrix oh. Reloaded. I, I, I still didn't hear what you I've said. I've seen The Matrix Reloaded. Oh, The Matrix so, Reloaded, yes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, when it comes to, like... Uh, oh, man, I forgot the name of the book. Not 1984, because that's the complete opposite. Uh, Catch-22? Hmm? Catch-22? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm talking, like, utopian future... Green eggs and ham. No. Okay. <laughs> Closer. Better. Uh, it's It's... It's one of those books that people have to read when they're in high school. It it, it was made in like the 30s and 20s. Oh, Lord of the Flies? Not Lord of the okay. Flies. That's something different. I was just thinking of books I read. Um, you, you take drugs to go on vacation and like... Oh, that sounds familiar. It does sound familiar. Now I'm like, is it Brave New World? Brave New World. That's it. Never Thank you. It. Um, th- th- their whole thing is that like... Sexual contact is like teached to kids as they're growing up in that novel. Like mm-hmm. it's a big thing that like nobody owns each other. Everybody's open to everybody else. And that's a big theme in that book. And that's one of the things that the main character in that book challenges. Um, in 1984, it's the complete difference. Like sex is for re- uh, is uh, is to reproduce for the state. And that's one of the things that the main character in 1984 fights is for sexual freedom. So I find it funny that that it might be from where all of these stories came from is that like 1920s, 1930s, and then into like the 50s and 60s. And I just find it interesting that that one concept is a huge plot point and a lot of different utopian like stories and worlds. I think that's the one thing a lot of people don't give science fiction and fantasy enough credit for is that the point of science fiction and fantasy is supposed to be a mirror on our modern society and our thoughts of things. So if you end up with a dystopian novel or a dystopian idea that swings wildly in one direction or the other in relation to sexuality, it's a pretty decent reflection of how it's viewed at the time that it was written. So like, you know, in in this one, it was kind of like, you know, the 70s, everyone's kind of free, and that's kind of what this future was then. Um, I'm just trying to think of modern sci-fi in the whole sexual thing, and the only... Ver- only example I can come up with is Passengers. Have you guys seen Passengers? I have seen Passengers. Have you seen Passengers? I, I, I wanted to stay away from it. Okay. Yeah. Oh. So pretty much that movie... We're not doing it for the podcast because fuck that movie. Uh, 
pretty much that, mo- that movie's message is Chris Pratt's a fucking psycho. And she is like guilt tripped into having a relationship with him because she doesn't have a choice. That's exactly what, that's exactly what I saw the movie being when I saw the first trailer. And that's yeah. why I had no interest in watching it. Yeah. The I, movie could have redeemed it though. If the ending wasn't the ending. Yeah. I want to know. I just want to know where the hell they got that chicken. <laughs> Unfroze it. I guess I hate it. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, and Andy Garcia shows up for like a split second. Yeah, because why it's not? A weird of course movie. he does. Maybe it's we will do it for the podcast. Um, Just hate it the whole time. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the only example I can think of. Because yeah, usually they don't on those themes. address it. Yeah, they don't address sexuality in a big way. In, in I feel like the, that anymore. I feel like nowadays it's all geared towards kids. Yeah. So I mean, the young adult dystopia thing is really a big deal now and and there isn't too much like adult like real adult dystopia anymore i think and i think that's why i don't like the genre anymore because all you get is maze runner and divergent and hunger games that's all you get anymore at the same time though another example that just popped to mind is mad max fury road see i don't really take that okay so it all depends on how you view dystopian because that's a different type of dystopian future then it's a then cha- the kind that I want to see. It's a chaotic evil version of a dystopian future. Yeah. Good description. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, like to me that's like doomsday dystopia. Yeah. When the type of dystopian future but, that I want to see is Logan's run, just a modern take on it. And well and the island is the closest it's that going I've been to happen. gotten. Oh, I know. Yeah. Uh it they're working on it now, I think. Hmm? Wait, what? I looked it up yesterday. They're, they are working on a... They were working on a reboot of this. Yes, but no, it's been not. in development hell for the past, like, 20 years. Yeah, well, no, there was news on it two years ago in January. So, And what was the news on that? That they had somebody to write it, but... I don't know. It's been it, in development hell for the past 20 years, because Leonardo DiCaprio was supposed to take Logan's spot. Now he's going to be the old man at the... Now he's going to be the old building. man, yeah. Yeah, but he's still gonna have a. Uh, but he's still gonna have a twenty-year-old around his arm. He's still gonna have a t- <laughs> oh, Leo! So this is something I did want to ask about because you guys brought up the old man. For as wooden and non-characters as the main characters were, some of the side characters were gigantic, like almost caricature level. Like the wildling boy was like, he was like a cartoon, and so was the old man. Like. <laughs> How did those read to you guys? Like And the plastic surgeon. Or, and the plastic, yeah. Like, the old guy almost took me out of the movie watching it this time. He was so, like, cartoonish. I I, I absolutely love the old man. Um, It's weird that they're so juxtaposed to your two main guys. So, Logan and Jessica. Like, they are extreme points of view compared to what you see within them. And I think that's part of the journey. Like, I feel like that's what shows them the evil of the world around them. Like is these extremes, like in both ways, because you have the extreme wildling boy and then the plastic surgeon, like we're all nuts here is pretty much what it boils down to. I, I mean, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I just, I think, I think I was so jarred by him. Like, 
where he goes on this like long monologue about cats and how they have three names and one that's of them a legit is a name poem. that only they know. Is it T.S. Eliot? That's a T.S. Eliot poem, and I missed it. It's uh, yeah. it's it's uh, T.S. Eliot did a book of poems just on cats. And that's actually my wife's favorite poem. The first time she saw this movie, like that is the only part of this movie that she likes. Like whenever I watch this film, like she doesn't hate it, but she saw it once and she's good. Like that's what she says. But she absolutely wow. loves that one scene where he recites that poem. You know, this T.S. Eliot. Now I feel terrible. Thanks for uh, putting me in my place, Ryan. I appreciate it, that. And you should feel terrible. I should. Ah. <laughs> uh. All right, but is it? I love the old man because he acted like a true hermit, like he acted like somebody who hadn't, who like hasn't talked to anybody in literally twenty five years. Yeah, and that's why I love him because he's accurate. I I read a little bit of trivia on this, and I guess at one point they had him find a a painting of Nixon. Yes. Ooh, yeah. And they uh, that was cut. They had a line that they cut out, but he was like, "They used to call this guy tricky." something i can't remember <laughs> and they cut it because it was like 1976 so yeah so they felt it'd be too controversial bit. so they cut it that's one of the things that i love about this film is that they had a ton of good ideas and they just had to cut certain things because they yeah. didn't want to upset people too much but yeah i mean and i, I feel like it's one of those 70s. they definitely could have but they could have <laughs> offended a lot of people with it i think just with some of the topics they bring up oh and the drug like, use like that's throughout the, the entire use. film. Like yeah. it was a uh, so Logan's a Sandman. He's a cop. He meets Jessica on the circuit to, uh, for sex. She says no, and then his buddy comes into the apartment after they meet for the first time, and he brings two greens in. So they're like one generation down from where they are, and they throw this mm-hmm. ball up in the air, and it turns into like glitter, and it's supposed to be like a mixture between coke and pot. I'm going to assume, and they just have a party. They just have a little orgy right there in the yeah. living room. Yeah, and that's yeah. I mean, you don't see that a lot nowadays, which <laughs> I'm okay with. Mostly, I'm okay with. Like, but like I said, it's more focused towards kids and tweens now than it is adults. But it's also a much grittier genre, too. Like, people have to really die in horrible ways in these, like, nowadays. And, like, in this one, I don't think we... We got, like, guy that got turned into hamburger meat in the beginning. And then we got, like, really, really, like, like two-line lady that was also running away. But, like, I feel like it's not, like, a much grittier genre now for some reason. I don't know if it's necessarily that because you look at something like The Martian, which I is like sci-fi, but still kind of more real science-based sci-fi. Yeah. Like it's that's not really that way. It's kind of just like he, here's a story of a man stuck on Mars and having to survive. So that's true. Well, when it comes yeah. to the like <clears throat> alternative future type topic, though, uh, I feel like. People are people are a lot more critical of films like this, and I feel like things have to be either things have to be extremely jarring, like they have to be more jarring than just thinking, knowing your parents, or wanting to know who your parents were, is a silly idea. Like back in the seventies, you know, the majority of Americans would hear that and go, "Oh my God, that's you know, that's communist," because that's like you know, 
propaganda, like your family doesn't own to you, it's owned by the state, and that was a big fear point. So I think nowadays it would have to be like, oh, you can't, you know, think or say, like more 1984-ish, with, with the whole like rats in a cage having to eat through you. Like I feel like things need to be on that level nowadays for people to really like grasp it mm-hmm. anymore, because you can't just do like the silly family structure not being the same. I mean, that's true. And I think also because this movie and movies of this type have been done before. Like I said earlier in the podcast, like, I think that the island is a better version of this movie. I love this movie, but I think if I were to show someone either this one or the island, I'd pick the island. See, I'd pick this movie. So, like, I th- would you? Yeah. Well, just, I think that I think it's been done better. I, I don't know. I think it's like Shakespeare. Shakespeare's great because it was the original. I think this concept has been done again better. My thing with it is that the turning point in the story where the island being that they're all like medical copies for for like a richer person to be used as like an organ harvest. I feel like that makes it too different to be like Logan's run. Because to me, Logan's run is more of like, look, at one point society felt that it needed to go this way to stop all the evils that it had. And then eventually all of those evils went away and now it's time to like renew all of that. So then as soon as they get outside the city, which nobody ever wanted to do, because why everything you ever need is inside the city. Um, mm-hmm. Things then like, oh, like they can start rebuilding society again and not, you know, and, you know, and actually living beyond the age of 30. The island was to me too drastic of a story change. For it to be the I, same, I can... like the only similarity is the fact yeah. that they're living inside a city, but at but I mean at the end of the day, like there's no carousel. Like when their number comes up, their number comes up, and they're being organ harvested. Not, you know, it's not to keep the population at the same number, which is what they were doing in in Logan's Run. Yeah, I can I can definitely see that. I think that for me, the organ harvesting part of it and the lottery aspect of it and like, oh, you get to win this trip all the way to over here. Like mm-hmm. that surface level is enough for me to want to compare. And then the twist is enough for me to to want to be invested more where this one is just very straightforward where it's, yeah. hey, you know, at 30, we're going to die. You don't want to die at 30? You should die at 30. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like that's harder to convince me if you're in a dystopia than like, oh my gosh, you're going on this great getaway. Like that kind of stuff. Mm. To me, I put a lot into the fact that they were told that they were going to renew. That's true though. That is very true. I put a lot into that for them. So I think that's probably why too. I think that's why I like it more that they like, they believe this, like they're going to get reincarnated because they don't know anything else. Exactly. They don't know a world without that thought process. It's kind of like, did you yeah. ever see the movie The Invention of Lying with Ricky Gervais? I think I said seen half no, of it. No, but I wanted to. Okay. Yeah. So we're not going to do it for the podcast because it's a, it's a whole it's a whole thing that we're not going to get into in this podcast. But the whole concept of that movie is he invents like he lives in a world where no one lies until he figures it out. Yeah. And then there's a scene where his mother is dying, and he's trying to comfort her because she's scared. And he makes up this whole thing about when you die, there'll be pearly gates and you'll be in this place <laughs> called heaven. And everyone in the hospital is like, where'd you hear about this place? Like, oh, he pretty no. much invents religion right there. Yeah. Like, cause I don't know if you guys know this about Ricky Gervais, but he's an atheist. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he doesn't like going with the norm. Uh, 
<laughs> so like it, it's this whole thing about like it takes this one guy to give these huge ideas that yeah. are crazy to think of if you don't know if you haven't been around that your whole life whereas yeah. like in in society like we even if you don't grow up religious you're still everywhere you look there's religious ideas whether it be at a church or in star wars mm-hmm. or comic books like superman has a mm-hmm. christ allegory like it's everywhere you look yeah but in this world there's none of that so they're gonna take everything verbatim exactly so yeah i feel like what was it so you do that well how, how did you guys feel about um them trying to show the scale of the place as as they were leaving, like going outside, going down the huge steps, going in through the pipes and seeing the giant fish being projected on the wall. <laughs> like it was a giant tank. I mean, yeah. they did a good job of world building. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, enjoy- I, think, yeah I, <laughs> I think it was all very effective. I think the only part that bothered me a little bit was the first opening shot of the miniature. The ripples in the water looked too big. <laughs> and a lot of the times I was like, eh, this is a miniature. I get this miniature. But yeah. knowing it's that big makes me have a lot more respect for it, honestly. Yeah, like that's... When I read that, I tried to find pictures of like the set online from when they were making it, and there's none of it. And I came across some other information that made me upset. There's a bunch of deleted scenes and audio from this that were destroyed. Yeah. Why? Uh, so, it was in the trivia. Alan, if you want to go for it, Yeah, so at one point... MGM was having financial issues, so they sold off a bunch of stuff that they that was in their warehouse, and whatever they couldn't sell, they just destroyed. Wow! Oh no! Yeah, and there was a bunch of stuff from this movie that was destroyed. That's really a shame. Yeah, like there, there's a list of like things in Hollywood that are just gone forever. Like the back lot at Universal Studios where they shot Back to the Future was destroyed in a fire. That's right. So, like parts of Hollywood history are just they're not protected like the, and the part of the problem is you don't know what is going to be historic I mean that's true like, I don't know what's going to be like a cult classic that someone will really love to see one day because you got to film the next thing yeah yeah so the, the, the last thing I want to touch on is uh, the because I've never seen costumes like this before and since um, the costumes were for this movie like is, or in I, some cases the lack the, thereof. the, the lack um, oh boy the original plan was for the costumes to be a lot more revealing than what they were like like the sandman costumes were basically supposed to be fishnets like originally <laughs> and they decided to make things more normal ish uh if you want to say that for some of them because the amount of body makeup was going to cost too much to put on every time they were shooting so they just decided to go with normal clothes for some people i don't think i could take this movie seriously if that was the costumes yeah I especially know. after watching I right. austin powers <laughs> like coming into it this late can you imagine uh, yeah. no i'm right there with you man yeah um this movie for me uh again i know i talked about i said with 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 starship troopers and with mary poppins where i developed crushes on the actresses and the character Mm -hmm. this is another one of those so you've probably seen the actress who plays jessica recently what else has she been in? she was part of the world security council in the avengers 
Ah, then I have seen her. Was she really? Yes. Yeah, she was. I just look. I'm looking at her picture now. And she was in Winter Soldier as well. Jenny, I'll. She's the one that Black Widow pretends to be. I'm guessing. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Honestly, yeah, I didn't know that was Jenny. the same person in Winter Soldier as the Avengers. I thought they just re- recast, the, like replaced the whole World Security Council. Yeah. Shows what I know. Um, <laughs> so the... I've got two more things before we wrap this up. Devin, do you have anything uh, else you want to add? I w- I have one more question, okay? because I've been thinking about this the whole time. So, in my most recent knowledge, we have done three dystopian future movies. We've done Starship Troopers, we've done this one, and we've done um, uh, Demolition Man. All movies movies Ryan made us watch. I like sci-fi, what can I say? Sci-fi is my thing. I love sci-fi. And every subgenre you can find, like I will watch it. I I want to I want to explore more subgenres of sci-fi by the way, um, mm-hmm. just like rom-coms. But anyway, of those three, which dystopian future would you like to live in most? So it's this, demolition, demolition man, man or starship troopers. Oh, um, demolition man. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Ryan. Well, it's my turn. Yeah. This might cause me issues later, but I don't care. Logan's run. Okay. Now, do you want to be? Do you want to be in the bubble, or do you want to be the old man living by himself with all the cats? I want to be Logan Five. Okay. Like I want to live as much as I can in the bubble, and then eventually get out. Like that's like. I see. I don't want to be anyone thing. in Demolition Man. I just want to be like a guy eating Taco Bell. Yeah, I know, but you know, it's not actual Taco Bell. I don't care. Like I just want to be. Everything's a Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah. My, I don't know. My thing is, I, even though the whole the bad side of it of like you know not living past thirty and that, and that whole thing, just the idea of being able to just like because a couple scenes that were cut that were lost that I found out about was that the arts was a really big thing in that society that they didn't show in the film mm-hmm. that like there were oh. like places where you could go and like any type of art form you can think of they. You know, they did anything and everything you can think of to do for to take up time. They did not just sex, not just drugs, like architecture, art, writing, like everything. And I would love to live in that type of a society. I mean, that's a that's a really good point. Devin, how about you? Oh, Demolition Man, hands down. I just (laughs) want to be able to go. A murder, death, kill, <laughs> and like be taken seriously, I and everything a Taco Bell. I, is amazing. I am so I, happy that that movie has 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 infected you the way that it did me like twenty years ago. Honestly, I was absolutely. Expect, has. I, was, I was really expecting to say, I just want to use the the she's the shells. I, I don't. The the shells are horrifying. Yeah, no. It's still I'll, like. I still have a visceral reaction to the shells now that I know what they are. Yeah, no, I I would so have a plant in my apartment, and I would use its leaves. I would find the biggest plant with the biggest leaves that I could find, and that's what I would use. I would not use the shells. It would be the same shells Anything. that I got when I moved in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm with you. Ooh. Okay, so my, my two things. Um, uh-huh. t- going back real quick to the whole religious thing. Yeah. So at the end, I was getting strong Ten Commandment vibes with the old man standing oh, yes. by the water yeah. oh, and yeah. all, all the kids coming out and touching him to see if he's real. Yeah. I was just waiting for him to do like the Charlton Hanson ah! And like, <laughs> like lead them through the water, like part the sea and yeah. just go. Um, I really like that. Okay. 
Um, and the second thing I wanted to talk about that we haven't touched on yet is the DVD copy that you gave me. Yes. So this is an old DVD, I take it. Uh, do you want to... Uh, so we got... Th- this was back... So when DVDs first came out? Yes. The okay. cartridge that this DVD came in wasn't a full plastic case. It was one of the old school paper where, ones. where it was the plastic on the back and it was the thick paper front mm-hmm. where you had to like unclick it and open it. Yeah. Um, wow. So this was a DVD from like 97, 98, okay. I think. Yeah. So it was in middle school. And prior to that, we had it on VHS. Okay. When you watched it, did you watch the full screen version or the widescreen version? Okay. Did you flip the DVD over? Is it the I, I watched the widescreen version. Okay, good. So... What impressed me the most about this DVD is it made me feel like I was watching it on a film projector <laughs> because it had all the imperfections of a film being projected. That's because, because okay, so that's, here's, that's okay, cool. so it's not remastered at all. It's like, yeah. okay, here's the film. Yep. Like just on DVD. So here's, so here's the thing with a lot of the older films that I have um, is that they might... When these movies first came out on DVD, my dad got a DVD f- player for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And as soon oh. as he would find the movies that he liked as a kid that would come out, he would get them. So like Phantom at the Paradise, that's another film that he really, really likes. Um, I uh, That one is the same thing. Like it looks like it, it looks like they did a film projection and copied it straight on to on to to the DVD. I feel like it wasn't until like the 2000 or 2001 or maybe 1999 that they started to advertise that they were going to start remastering old movies like this. I'll tell you what it was that changed it. It was the porn industry. But we don't know. No, no. Yeah, yeah. I, I think mean, it was. Yeah, because, it's always the porn industry because they they started. It was a new technology, and once the porn industry embraced something, like yeah. they go with it. Like that becomes the Hollywood standard. That's why HD DVDs did not last as yeah. long as they mm-hmm. they like they, they lasted for like a year and that was it. And it's why VHS wow. outdid Betamax. Yeah, which I'm still upset about. Betamax was so much better. Was it in what way? The screen quality it was a lot clearer. Um, the sound was a lot better. Uh, you could rewind it as much as you wanted, and it didn't degrade as fast as VHS. And the only problem was that the Betamax only had like an hour and 15 minutes of runtime total. Oh, that does it. So like any movie that was over like an hour had to be on two, uh, had to be on two different uh, tapes. Titanic would have been on like four of them. Yep. That would have been cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's all I've got. Okay. I really yeah. enjoyed. It. I re- really yeah. enjoyed it. There was no menu; like it just auto played, and just like I told you. Yeah. Uh, did you wait to the end when the? No. Okay, so, uh, dude, I watched this at like eleven o'clock last okay. night. I wasn't waiting up for so... special features. By the way, I don't know if you guys own any videos on Amazon Prime, but do you know how they sp- do special features on there? No. No. How? They just throw them at the end of the video. So, like Avengers Endgame, when they say they have like three hours of bonus features. It's a six-hour-long video, and you have to watch through everything to get to the bonus features. Ew. Yeah. I, I don't like, like that. I don't like that at all. Like, give me my Blu-ray, and I'll have a menu. Thank you mm-hmm. very much. The, yeah. the, 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 the way that 
the way that the DVD that I have of Logan's run is set up is that you have to watch it all the way to the end, to the end credits. And then to the end of like the funky, like blue triangle thing that turns like all old movies had at the very end for like the company that made the film or whatever. Um, and then the menu pops up and there's a featurette. It literally says featurette. And then that's like the behind the scenes thing where they explain it all. And there's a person talking about it. And you could tell it was made in the seventies. It was like this, like ad, this like extended ad for like a film. And they went into detail about like the set and what it was supposed to be about and all this other stuff. It was pretty interesting. Yeah. So all this to say, I'm glad you chose to watch this the week after they took it off of Netflix. Cause I've really enjoyed the film aspect of it. Yeah. Good. Good. Uh, which, uh, which honestly, because I, I I watched it before I gave you the DVD to make sure it didn't skip. Yeah. And I watched it like two weeks ago on Netflix. And I don't think they changed the quality. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they did. If they, I'm sure there's a remastered of it somewhere where they at least cleaned it up a little bit. Because there were some things in there that were kind of jarring. Okay. Uh, but I don't think they threw a lot of money into it because it's MGM and they folded uh, <laughs> oh, Sam. Yeah. Okay, so I'm happy that you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I ever have to watch it again, but I'm. I understand. I that. almost got the books on Audible. Oh wow! Because I'm kind of intrigued by this world. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. And also, I need stuff to read on Audible because they're doing. We're not sponsored by Audible, but hey, every other podcast is. So let's talk about them for a second. <laughs> um, they're doing a thing if you read three books before March. They finished three five-hour-plus books. You get $20 to Amazon. And I'm like, wow. okay, I'm yeah. all for that. That's cool. So I have, like, multiple accounts. I'm just going to get all the money for Amazon. <laughs> that is perfect. Um, but yeah, I already finished one book. So I'm like, I need How do they know time. if you're not just, like, playing them when you're not at home? I mean, as long as you finish them, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I got a book that... <laughs> It was a football book, of all things. About what? Um, so it's not actually a book. It was more of an audio play starring John Cena. What? Um, the girl from My Girl. Okay. Whose name is escaping me right now. The B-Girl. We're, yeah. We're good. Uh, <laughs> Jane Curtin for, uh, from... Oh, shit. I'm, I'm messing up all these names. It's fine. Uh, no, it's not fine because it's... It, it's upsetting me. Uh, it was a lot of people from SNL, but it was like okay. John Cena plays this football player who never gets drafted, never gets picked up by the NFL. So he just kind of doesn't know what to do with his life. And it's like a, it's a, an audio play. So he's like a trainer and he's training this old woman. Uh, it's called the 64th man. Interesting. And it's, it wasn't bad. I was surprised by it. Um, where are the details? View details. Oh, Will Forte's in it? Will Forte. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of people from SNL. Uh, yeah, Jim Curtin, like Anna, Klumsky, Anna Klumsky. Um, Leslie produced, Jones? Leslie Jones has a bit part in it. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, it, it was really good. It, it, for a John Cena thing, I didn't think it hit me in the in the heartstrings as much as it did. But there were parts from things, aww. So, so it's like Brian's song in a way. No. 
It's from. It's like if Brian's song was written by writers for SNL. I don't. I that it, that it, it, that hurts it, my heart. That it, hurts it, me. It's not. It's not even <laughs> like that. No, okay. it's it's a. Uh, there there are sweet moments to it. it it's okay. not really like. Uh, I got you. Yeah. I got you. Um, yeah, that's what I listen to. So that sounds nice. One as you were talking about that, there's one thing that I knew I read before that I wanted to talk about for okay, tech. Real quick. Yeah, yeah, real quick. Um, it was uh, Logan's Run was the first movie to use Dolby Stereo on oh, 70 wow. mm film prints. The problem was when it went to theaters, hardly hardly any of the theaters were set up for that. Yeah. So it didn't work. But um, Star Wars: A New Hope had it, and Close Encounters of the Third Kind had it, uh, both in '77. And those, um, by the time those hit theaters, they did have that update. So they were, uh, so they were able to be played in, in the Dolby stereo and talk about sci-fi close encounters. That's a big changer too. Yeah. I have only seen it once. Oh, I love that movie. I've never seen it. Ooh, that's oh, that's one that we got to do at some point. Yeah. That's one of the ones I own, but it's like, it's on my list. Uh, I know mashed potatoes are involved. Um, they mean mashed potatoes. Like <laughs> normally i roll my eyes at comments you make like that but yes i love the fact that you said that for this because mashed potatoes are involved and that's a really crucial scene and i love the fact that you brought that up yeah i love Good. mashed I potatoes it was a critical yeah, they, scene at all i yeah, thought they, it was like a throwaway like weird owl made it no no they, they no, no that's make, a it definitely means something yeah that, that's a very critical part of the movie which makes Good. it even funnier oh, man. <laughs> i'll have to do that soon i'll write that down that'll be fun down not really because my pet's not working i'm Uh, like like i'm telling you right now the movies the movies that i'm gonna have you guys watch that we don't do themes for like for the net for like this year is probably all gonna be sci-fi films because i'm just gonna start pulling into my deep pockets yeah you're you're the sci-fi guy yeah so devin what's your subgenre gonna be for this year i'll be indie Indie? i'll be indie guy okay we'll watch some weird ones i i'm gonna go uh foreign films (laughs) no Oh, you of yes. all people. You of all. No, it's just going to be obscure Jim Carrey serious roles. <laughs> no. Okay, I'm down. <laughs> no. I'll watch um, 23 over and over again. Oh, God. The number 23, thank you very much. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll have to keep track of what we do this year and then yeah. at the end of the year see what everyone themes were yeah so we'll do a tally it's just, i'm just gonna make ryan watch all the cw shows he will love it yeah you can tell you're gonna to put it. me in a padded room at the end of this year that's the goal oh god <laughs> <laughs> all right i think that does it for logan's run yeah yeah it's a weird prequel to logan but Hey. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> it is. I waited for an hour and ten minutes to make that joke. And I'm, so. I'm, I'm so proud I'm, of I'm, you. I'm actually, yes, I'm right there with Devin. I'm yeah. actually surprised you got that far into yeah. it. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Well, okay. So I don't know what we're doing next week. No, I do know we'll that it out. later this week we will have our review that we recorded a few weeks ago of the first part of Crisis on Infinite Earths. So stay tuned for that. And then we'll do the second part next week when the rest of it airs. So Mm -hmm. definitely tune in for that. But until next time, for You Have to Watch This Podcast, I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. See, I like that structure a lot better. 
Yeah, just me. Of you and... going first and then around okay, the horn. Well, we, we can keep just doing it that. So I can, well. I can yeah. always toss it to you. We don't have to make it so that you're first. So it, it's it's fine. Yeah. It's, you know. <laughs> See you next week. See you next week. <laughs>